the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Final Sunday of Easter. God's grace, God's mercy, and God's peace. The hymn you have just sung is 300 years old. The hymn you have just sung is 300 years old. If you were to have gotten the Sunday morning paper today and it had something on it about uh, World War II or a story about Korea or a story about Vietnam, you would cancel your subscription because the news would not be up to date and you would be frustrated. There was a young man who worked on his master's degree at DePaul University in the area of IT technology. And the first thing the professor said to that class as they began their first day, the professor said, what I teach you today will be outdated in three years, but I will teach you how to stay above the curve. 300 years ago, Charles Wesley wrote that hymn. And do you think he would have imagined that 300 years later, we would be singing that same Easter hymn? Perhaps so, perhaps not. What am I trying to point out? There are certain things that never, never, never change. Man's sin and God's salvation. Sermon is entitled, I Know God. While Pastor Schauer was reading the gospel today, six times in the verses that he read, the word know is used. Jesus said, I want you to know me as the Father in heaven knows me. And I just don't want you, my disciples, to know me. I want everyone that the disciples will preach to to know me. And everyone that is preached to, they will preach to the next generation. And 300 years later, Charles Wesley, who knew God so intimately, 300 years later, we are looking at the same words and hearing about the same Savior that Charles Wesley was proclaiming. 300 years later, the hymn is still sung, and that message of knowing the Christ comes out to his people. I wonder if 300 years from now, we will still be singing, they, excuse me, they will still be singing that same hymn. The text is 2 Timothy 1.11. Paul, theologians believe when he writes this, has three weeks left until he dies. He is in prison again, but unlike three years earlier, he is not living in a house. He's not under house arrest. 
When he writes this, he is in the dungeon and he is waiting for his end to come. He writes to a young boy named Timothy, of this gospel, the good news about Jesus, of this gospel, I was appointed. Appointed by who? The other disciples? Did they say, Simon Peter, you're the best of the lot? We're putting you in charge of this? No. Appointed by God. Of this gospel I was appointed a herald, one who proclaims. I was appointed an apostle, one whose assignment in life is this work for the kingdom. Of this gospel I was appointed a herald, an apostle, and a teacher. That is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed, not afraid, I'm not having second thoughts, Timothy. I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt. I am persuaded above all else that my Lord is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him for that day. What had Paul entrusted to Jesus? His soul. What day is he talking about? The day three weeks from then that he leaves this earth. I was appointed a herald, apostle, teacher. That is why I'm suffering as I am, yet I'm not ashamed because I know, I know, I know whom I have believed. The most daring thing a devout man or woman can say about their religion or their faith is, I know. They're not saying I'm speculating. They're not saying I'm casting my dice. They're not saying I'm flipping a coin. They're not saying I think, I hope, or I trust. They say, I know. The most intimate word that can be used in the Bible, I know that God is God. Hebrews eleven six. what one thing pleases God doesn't say at that point, Hebrews eleven six. what one thing pleases God, that you believe in his Son. It says, Hebrews eleven six. what one thing pleases God, that you know and believe that he is real. And if you know and believe that he is real, then you believe every one of the 7,238 promises in the Bible are also real. And you also believe that what he says about his son, I am sending him to die for mankind's salvation. You know that is real as well. There was a vicar preaching 14 years ago in this church from this pulpit. And the vicar said in that message, We read a verse over and over and over again. We hear a verse over and over again. The vicar, having been at the seminary at St. Louis, he said, we study a verse over and over again. And that verse sits there, words on a page. But the vicar said, there comes a moment in one's life because of the circumstances in one's life that they see a verse that they've seen a hundred times, but when they see the verse this time, it explodes. That's what the vicar said. 
It explodes with meaning. And all of a sudden that verse that you've read a hundred times and it meant really nothing to you, all of a sudden that verse comes alive. And you know something that you didn't know before. And the thing you know is the presence of God and the truth of his promises. And that changes everything, the vicar said. It changes everything in how you deal with life, your purpose in this life. The sermon the vicar preached was that banner there on the back wall. Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. Brian and Lauren got married yesterday. Brian Liebendorfer, Lauren Ritter. Wedding started a half hour late because of traffic. I had warned them the day before. When Brian and Lauren stood up here, I said to them what I've often said to couples. You might not know at this moment why you're marrying Brian. And Brian, you might not know at this moment why you're marrying Lauren. But the time will come, maybe a year from now, or 10 or 20 or 30 years from now, that something will happen in your life. And you will say at that moment, now I know why God brought Brian into my life. Now I know why God brought Lauren into my life. Because I can't imagine going through this, be it a joy. I can't imagine sharing this joy without him or her. Or I can't imagine going through this quote-unquote nightmare without Brian by my side or without Lauren by my side. If God has brought some close friend into your life, Similarly, you might not know at this moment why that friend is in your life, but there will come a time somewhere down the road, some joy, some difficulty, and you'll say, thank you, God, for bringing this friend into my life because I can't imagine going through this without him or her. You know at that moment why God brought an individual into your life. Do you know God in the similar way? Do you know why the Holy Spirit has brought God into your life? The thief on the cross knew it and probably wept tears over the fact he couldn't do anything about it. I know God as I'm dying on this cross and I know him for about two hours on this earth and I get to spend eternity with him. And then some child knows God at age two or three years of age. Jesus loves me, this I know. And if they know him intimately, their lives are served for his purpose. Never forget the young man going to the university, starting a Bible study in his fraternity for the first time in their 84-year history. And as I keep in touch with him, he says, I now have 60 people who have been touched by those Bible studies and have come to know him 
He doesn't point a finger at himself saying, what a good boy I was for the kingdom. He points a finger at the fact that they know him. And this young man was part of that ability to know him. Here is someone listening to a piece of music. They are weeping. (laughs) You look at them out of the corner of your eye and you kind of smile. And you wonder why they're weeping. They are a lover of music. And they hear something in that music that you don't hear. Because that's not something in you. Here's someone standing at the art museum looking at a piece of art. You pass by them, you want to get close and see it, but this person is standing there. You say, I'll go on to another piece. You come back 15 minutes later, they are still standing there. And you look at the wave of emotions that come and go over their face. And you sit and wonder, when are they going to move? Why does this painting touch them so much? There is something in their heart as far as being a lover of the arts that moves them in a certain way. You come to the Grand Canyon and you stand and you look down. You go to the Rocky Mountains, you stand and you look up. You go to the beach of the mighty ocean and you look out there. It is not a few seconds you stand there. You stand there for a long, long, long time. And something in you, if you're a lover of nature, is touched. Jesus said, as Pastor Sauer read, I want them to know me. His greatest desire, I want them to know me. John 6, 29, the disciples asked Jesus one day, What work must we do? To do the work of God. What work must we do to do the work of God? Jesus said, this is the work of God. To believe on the one. To know the one whom God has sent. To know him. Last Sunday of Easter, Pastor Shower preaching next week on Pentecost. Why did... God sent the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is not going to be on this earth until I'm up in heaven. Then he's going to come down. John seven thirty eight. And when he comes down, are you ready for this? 8 o'clock in the morning, summer morning, trying to stay awake. Are you ready for this? Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, He will teach you all things. He'll bring to your mind a remembrance of everything that has happened these three years. He will cause you to know me in a way that you don't now. 1 Corinthians 12, 3, no one can know Jesus, no one can say he's Lord, except by the work of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. Is this exceedingly rare for a person to know God? Is it consigned to a few people in the Bible like Job? I know that my Redeemer lives, Job 19.25. Is it consigned to someone like Simon Peter, 
Though you have not seen him, you know him and believe in him and are filled with unspeakable joy. Is this knowing God only for a handful of people? Is it for those who love nature, love art, love music, a small percentage on this earth? Or can anyone know him? And the answer is the latter. Anyone can know him. William Shakespeare, greatest literary genius of all time, he wrote in his will, I commend my soul into the hands of God my creator, hoping and knowing that through the merits of Jesus Christ my Savior, I shall partake of life everlasting. The great poet Lord Byron, if ever man was God or God was man, Jesus Christ was both. James Greenleaf Whittier, the great poet, my ground of hope for myself and for humanity is that divine fullness of love which was manifested in the life, teaching, and sacrifice of Christ. In the infinite mercy of God so revealed, and not through any merit of my own nature, I humbly trust everything, knowing Jesus as my Lord. Charles Dickens, I commit my soul to the mercy of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Leo Tolstoy, the last one I share with you. Leo Tolstoy, the great genius of Russian letters. He was an atheist at one time, profound in his belief. And he declared himself at one time to be the saddest, most despairing person on this earth. And he's walking down the street one day, and there comes upon him what he declares a visit from God. As readily as the Apostle Paul's was, on the road to Damascus. He said, I believe in the doctrine of Jesus, and my whole life underwent a transformation, life and death, and instead of despair, I tasted joy and a happiness that death, when it came, could not take away. I know Jesus. And the list goes on and on of those who knew Jesus. Not a handful of people. Not a handful of people. Millions upon millions upon millions. Forty years in the ministry. Told you endless times the sermons you've preached to me. Yours weren't as long as mine were. But they were powerful. Norm Peters, Janet was here last week from Indiana, pops in every seven or eight, nine months. Norm Peters, pancreatic cancer, my word to him, do you believe there's life after this life? He's a tough character, I say that nicely. Janet would be here most Sundays, he'd come every other time. Tough character. When I ask him, do you believe there's life after this life, in all honesty, I, I didn't know how he would answer. I was prepared for a very uncertain answer. But when he opened his mouth, he said, Paul, 
He said, I know of a certainty there is life after this life. And I said, Norm, how can you be so certain? Never forgot what he said. He said, Paul, I was like most people, I suppose. Half the time I thought it was a myth or a fairy tale. Half the time I believed. But the day I got the diagnosis of this pancreatic cancer, it was as if God came to me in a way that he had never, ever, ever come to me before. And Paul, I know beyond any doubt whatsoever that God is real, that his son is real, that when he said he's preparing a place for me in heaven, that place is already prepared. There is almost an excitement in me that I am getting close to that place. The lady I mentioned before, it's been five months now. She's getting ready to die. I asked her the question, do you believe life after this life? She's been at many of my, my services. So before I finish the question, she's belting out the answer. Almost as if she was offended. She said, absolute certainty, Pastor. Looking at her face, seeing the set of her jaw, I said, how can you be so certain? She said, Paul, Pastor, let me put it this way. It is not possible for Jesus to lie. I waited for her to say more. She didn't say anything more. She said, it is not possible for Jesus to lie. So I filled in the blanks, you guys. John eight forty four. when he's talking about Satan two weeks before his death, he says about Satan, the guy is a liar and a murderer from the beginning. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue. He is a liar and the father of lies four times in one verse. He calls him a liar and a deceiver. Why would Jesus, two weeks later, say, Guess what, everybody? I'm going uh, to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and take you to be with me, that you might be where I am. Why would he lie when he just called the devil a liar? And why would he shortly before his death on the cross, say to the thief, today you're going to be with me in paradise unless it was the truth. Norm Peters knew God. Not the entirety of his life in the way he did at the end. This dear woman knew God. And when someone calls me on the phone and they share a piece of good news, and the first word out of their mouth after the good news is, Look at what God has done. I smile doubly broad. Number one, for the good news. And number two, for the fact that they so know God that they give all praise and credit to him. I close with the confirmation, excuse me, the graduation verse of our 8th grade students. Graduation service was this past Wednesday. And here's what they chose. Psalm 16, 8. 
each one of the graduates chose, I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. What they are saying in that verse is, I'm setting before me the Lord, not setting before me a scholarship in football to some college. I'm not setting before me the wishes of a boyfriend or girlfriend. Not setting before me anything else except one thing and one person. I set before me the Lord Jesus. Because he's at my right hand, who put him there? Did mom and dad put him there? Did grandma and grandpa put him there? Did some of the teachers in the school put him there? Did the principal, Jerry Gleagy, put him there? Did one of the pastors put him there? God put him there. When it says in the New Testament four different times that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, it is God, Ephesians says it is God who put him there. For all eternity, he's sitting next to God, and for 33 years, he disappears. And 33 years later, God raises him from the dead, takes the dust off the seat, says, Jesus, sit back down here. When it says in Psalm 16, He is at my right hand, the graduates are saying, God has placed him there. And I shall not be shaken. You know God changes you on the inside. You have a peace of freedom from fear and worry that you've never had before. And when you know God, it does one other thing. It makes you very bold and very courageous. The angel said to the shepherds, don't be afraid. Unto you is born this day and saved David, Savior. Don't be paralyzed with fear. Get moving. And they saw the baby and they went through the village and told everyone. You'll be bold. As bold as Coach Sweeney when he wins a national football championship and says, I know Jesus is the greatest thing I have. Same thing that Coach Bennett said when Virginia Cavaliers won the NCAA basketball tournament, I know Jesus. It's the best thing I have. Last Sunday of Easter, one week before Pentecost, do you know him? Read the Bible. Do you know him? Come to the sacrament. Do you know him? Look at every circumstance of your life and realize, Psalm 139, that he guards and directs your path. Do you know him? In our Savior's name. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.